Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Thank you for joining us again for another Anchor at Home. Listen, in light of the current events that are happening all across our country, I personally feel the need and the responsibility to share a few things with you that have been on my heart. To do so, I would like to begin by making something extremely clear. I personally do not believe God is behind or is in support of the recent careless act of violence and injustice that has sent shockwaves through our nation. Nor do I believe he is in favor of the senseless acts of violence that have followed. And to put it plainly, nor do I believe he is in favor or supports the opposite end of the spectrum that says that we should all just, you know, turn a blind eye and act as if nothing has happened. The reason we can be confident of these things is because the Bible makes it very clear to us that God is not only diametrically opposed to things such as racism, prejudice thinking, injustice, murder, and division, but he also makes it very clear that, uh, you know, every one of those are from the devil, that they all flow from the kingdom of darkness. We know this is true because the Bible tells us in John chapter 10, 10, quoting Jesus, it says, the thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy. And that is exactly what racism, prejudice thinking, injustice, murder, and division do. They are all destructive in nature. But listen to what Jesus went on to say as well. He said, but I have come that they might have life and life more abundantly. So with all that in mind, I I don't think God is, you know, the driving force behind all of these things that we are seeing. However, I do believe God in His sovereignty can and will use this as an opportunity to bring the things that are out of order into order. In fact, it is as if God is allowing the veil of wickedness to be pulled back so evil can be exposed, with a caveat attached to it that He is giving all of us, His people, an opportunity to engage and to partner with Him in bringing His heart and His kingdom to the forefront of our country. To better illustrate what I feel in my heart concerning this, let me share a quick story with you. A few years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to visit an old friend that was pastoring a church in Florida at the time. You know, when we got there to the church, because that's where we decided to meet, he was so excited to show us the new sanctuary that they just built. So after our initial greeting, the first thing he wanted to do was to give us a tour of their new building. So after about 20 minutes of walking around the building with him pointing to this and pointing uh, you know, to that, uh, we, we stood in the hallway chatting and uh, you know, completely unaware that the tour was over, I asked him if we could see the old sanctuary. In response, he promptly told me that they had to tear down the old sanctuary to build the new one. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because as I prayed about the things that are going on in our nation, I can't help but to wonder if that's what God is desiring to do right now. Like Jeremiah chapter 1, just just maybe He is wanting to, to root out. Maybe He's wanting to pull down, to destroy, and to tear down the old things that don't please Him so He can build and so He can plant, like that sanctuary, the new that reflects the values of His kingdom, which are values like this, values of of love, honor, 
peace and unity. I think we can all agree right now that our nation is in desperate need of each one of those values. In short, to quote the late William Booth of the Salvation Army, as believers we need to understand that we cannot improve the future without disturbing the present. Without a doubt, the present we are currently in definitely needs to be disturbed. It needs to be interrupted. It needs to be interfered with by the kingdom of God if things are going to change. As we shift gears, I want to take a brief moment to address the narrative that says we must choose a side, that silence is violence. As a person who has dear friends that are white, black, Hispanic, that are in law enforcement, and as well as having other friends that are of every race that I love like family who are not law enforcement, I personally am really struggling with this line of thinking. Now, if you're like me, uh, you know, how should we respond to this? As I've prayed, my heart keeps coming back to Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. It's a familiar passage of Scripture, but it begins like this. It says, When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. And it says, Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you a friend or are you a foe? In other words, he said, Whose side are you on? Now listen to the response he was given. In verse 14 it says, Neither one. Let me pause there for a moment. Theologically, we know that this isn't just some random guy standing there with a sword, but this is actually Jesus himself. In fact, the theological uh, wording for this is a word known as Christophany. It means Christ appearing, which means uh, in the Old Testament that Christ would show up from time to time before we fast forward in the New Testament where he came, you know, through the Virgin Mary. So this is not, once again, just an encounter with some random guy, but this is literally Joshua standing before God himself in the flesh. And it says this in verse 14 again, it says, neither one, I am the commander of the Lord's army. In short, Jesus's answer to Joshua was, I'm not on their side and I'm not on your side. I am on heaven's side. And it says at this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. And he said this, I am at your command, meaning this, guys, simply means this, that, okay, I'm taking what you said, and, and I choose to be on your side. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that is the right response for us as believers, that at this moment, it's not about choosing that guy's side or this guy's side. It's about choosing the Lord's side in all of this. Now, I also want you to notice that Joshua didn't stop there. Listen to what he says. It says, Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? Hear that, church. Let, let, let's literally make that, that statement there at the end. Let's make it personal. As we choose to be on God's side, we need to ask, what does he want us to do? I believe before any action that we might take, before there's anything that God speaks to us for us to step out in response to anything that He might want us to do at this moment, our first response to the Lord must begin by seeing every single person in the same way that He does. Literally, that we would see every person through God's eyes. So with that said, in spite of a person's color in spite of their culture or their background. How should we see them, guys? How should we see the people around us? Let me give you six quick points with corresponding scriptures to support the answer to that single question. 
The first truth that I believe we need to remember is this, is number one, that we are all created in God's image. Biblically, we know that the human story begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is where God simply said this. He said, let us make man, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. You know, this verse tells us that every person in every race was created intentionally by God in His own divine image. This simple yet powerful truth should quickly remove from our hearts the, the notion or the lie that says one race or one ethnic group is somehow superior to another. Which means this, it means as God's people we should readily reject any and all forms of racism, hate, and prejudice thinking. Because plain and simple it does not belong in God's kingdom. So please see today that it has uh, clearly from Genesis chapter 1, it has been in God's design from the beginning to have a variety among His people where literally every race and every color is not only seen as unique, but it's in that uniqueness which makes all of us beautiful in God's eyes. The second truth we need to remember is this, is that we all come from the same bloodline. Please listen to these two verses. I know this is so simple, but please listen to Genesis 3, verse 20. It says this, it says, The man, it's talking about Adam there, that the man called his wife's name Eve. Now the name Eve simply means life giver. And it says this, it says, Because she was the mother of all living, of all what? Of all living things, of all uh, people from the human race. Now watch how Acts 17, 26 echoes this truth when it says this, it says, and He, talking about God, has made from one blood, come on, let that sink in, from one blood, every nation of men, we can say every nation of men and women, to dwell on the face of the earth. So these two verses tell us plainly that each one of us are descendants from Adam and Eve because they are the original parents of the entire human race. The third truth that I want us to see and focus on today is this, is that we need to remember, number three, that God values all of us equally. Listen to Galatians 3.28 with me, please. It says, And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, or we could say black or white, Latino, Asian, going down the line. And it says, rich or poor, male or female. Because why? Because we're, we are all one through our what? Through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. You know, the Apostle Peter, he put it this way in Acts 10, 34, and this was Obviously, after he had the incredible revelation at Cornelius' house, we know that Cornelius was a Gentile, and obviously Peter was a Jew. But he said this, he said, Now I know for certain that God doesn't show favoritism. Get that. God doesn't show favoritism with people, but treats or values everyone on the same basis. 
Gang, it's from this realization that we should believe that every person is warranted an equal measure of honor and respect. Literally, that every person is worth receiving our love, receiving our joy, receiving our peace, our patience, our kindness, our goodness, and even our gentleness towards them. Why? Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And the proof that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, the proof that we're children of God, is that we would give those things to every single person we encounter. The fourth truth we should remember is this, is that salvation is available to everyone. Think about this for a moment. When Jesus hung on the cross and died for the sins of mankind, He didn't do it with only one or two ethnic groups in mind. The Bible tells us clearly in John 3.16, probably one of the most well-known verses in the entire Bible, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So please, let's make no mistake about it today that Jesus died for every single person. Literally, as the old children's song says, red, yellow, black, and white, that all of us are precious in His sight. Literally, that, that He has died for every single person of all colors, of all ethnic groups that will ever live. If I could take this a step further, Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-4. through He said this, he said, Therefore I encourage, first of all, that prayers and giving thanks be made for who? For all men. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires, once again, key words, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So guys, please hear me today. When we begin to survey what's happening around our country this time, it is my hope that we would begin to understand that Jesus desires to save every single person from their sins. Even those who don't think like us, don't act like us, don't talk like us, don't dress like us, who don't live like us. Literally that, that He died for every single one of them. If I can add a, a thought to that, if we realize it or not, uh, we have all also been given a God-given responsibility to show them Jesus by the way we live. In fact, here's, here's the verse that I'm currently praying for our nation right now as we speak. And I would just invite you, you know, in your own prayer time to pray this verse as well. L listen to what Jesus did for all of us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. It says, For Christ Himself has brought peace to us. Man, this is a good prayer we need to be praying. It says this, it says, He united Jews and Gentiles. Insert our current situation into that. It says that He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in His own body on the cross He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Goes on to say in verse 15 that he made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. In verse 16 it says, Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And I love this last part, and here's the, the, a key part of the prayer, and that our hostility towards each other was put to an end. 
Can you believe for that with me today? Listen, I think we can all agree that Jesus is the only solution to our nation's problem. In fact, I believe we would all agree that He's the only one that can help us forgive. He's the only one that can heal us of trauma from the past and even past generations. And He is the only one that can somehow build a bridge between our hearts and someone else's heart so unity can be in place. The fifth truth that we need to grab a hold of today concerns all of us as believers, and it's simply this, that we are all called to walk or to live in unity. Listen to what Jesus prayed for you and I and every believer around the world. He said this in John 17. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, meaning the, the literal 12 disciples that He had at that time, but also for all who will ever believe in Me. That's you and I, gang. Listen, he said that who will ever believe in me through their message. And then he said, I pray that they will be what? That they will be one just as you and I are one. He was referring to the Father in himself. We know this because it says, as in the prayer, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And then it says this key part in verse 23. It says, may they, may you and I experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love uh, them as much as you love me. Now, this might sound so simple, but when I read this, I can't help but to think about how when Jesus prayed this prayer, He clearly knew that those who would believe in future generations, once again, us, that we would be from every ethnic group, from every race, and from every walk of life. Yet He still called us, expected us, and guys, He even graced us in spite of our differences to come together and to operate in, a, in the unity of heaven, in a, in a unity of effort. So why? So that you and I, so that we as the body of Christ would no longer be divided and conquered by the enemy. The sixth truth that I believe should stand out to us today is this, is number six, we need to remember that we are all equal in heaven. I absolutely love this verse. This is uh, the Apostle John. He is actually having a revelation or a vision of heaven, and this is what he saw. Let this sink in today. It says in Revelation 7, 9, it says, After this I, John, looked, and behold, right in front of me I saw a vast multitude of people, an enormous multitude so huge no one could count, made up of who? Victorious ones from every nation. We can have every tribe, every people group, and every language. They were all in glistening white robes, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The reason I love this verse is because it shows us that literally in heaven with every person that's ever been and ever will be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that literally as they stand before the throne, there's no segregation and there's no division, that we all stand as one before our God. If I can add a thought to that, I would just say, remember what Jesus taught us to pray or how He taught us to pray in Luke chapter 11. We, we all know this is called the Lord's Prayer, but He starts off and He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. He said, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can imagine when we begin to live and operate in unity, literally we have the opportunity to reflect and, re and resemble heaven as those of all nations of all tribes, of all languages, of all races to stand before the throne and worship our God. I, I personally believe that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven for this to be a reality. 
So before we close today, I simply want to encourage all of us to pray about two things. The first thing I want to pray about today is this, is that we would simply ask the Holy Spirit to come and to do what the psalmist said, and that's to search us and know us. That literally, if there be any wicked way within us, that He would reveal that to us. Now, here's why I believe this is so important, is because uh, sometimes we are raised in a way. Take me, for example, who was raised in the South. You know, I grew up and I uh, would hear racial remarks literally from both sides of the fence. And after a while, you begin to uh, have thought patterns and things that you think are right. You just kind of go along with it. And you think those things are right when truth and all reality in the kingdom, they're not right. And so sometimes we need to pray and we need to ask God to come and help us unlearn some things so we can begin to learn the way He would want us to do things and the way He would want us to think. And so listen, today I just challenge you to have the courage to say, God, is there anything in me that, that you don't like? Is there is there any way inside of me or anything inside of me that, that I'm literally uh, looking and viewing and thinking about people of another race, of another culture, of another background that doesn't please you? Because in all reality, again, that should be our number one goal in life is that we want to love and we want to please the Father. So I encourage you, once again, God, come and search me and know me. The second thing I want to pray about today is simply this, is that on, on the other side of that, that you and I would have the courage to begin to love, once again, every single person of every race, of every culture and every background. Once again, those who don't look like us, talk like us, dra uh, dress like us or live like us, that we would begin to love them in the way God loves them, that we begin to love them unconditionally for no other reason than the fact that God loves us unconditionally. And it's right. It's the right thing for us to love others the way He loves them. And so if we can, just as those two things are running through our mind, let me, let me motivate you with a verse that we find in 1 John chapter 4. It simply says this. It says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And then it says in verse 11, it says, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, since He loved us unconditionally, it says we surely ought to love each other. Come on, let that sink in today. And then it says in verse 12, it says, If we love each other, God lives in us. In other words, that's the proof. And His love is brought to full expression in us. So once again, I want to challenge you in this. We can either today hear these verses and just ignore them and brush them off, or we can say, God, please come, let those scenes grab a hold of me and rearrange whatever you need to rearrange in me. Because at the end of the day, we need unity, we need love, and we need the kingdom of God to impact our nation. Because once again, He is the only solution. So before the team comes to lead us in one more song, uh, just pray with me if you can. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that it's alive and it's powerful and it has the ability to go deep down in our hearts and search us. And so Holy Spirit, we give you permission to, to just search us today. And we just pray today, God, that you would give us the courage to face whatever we see there so we can repent and ask for your, uh, just for your grace and mercy to change us today so we can live a life that pleases you. God, we ask God boldly today because your word says it that you would help us to love every single person that you created because we know today that every person has value because they're created in your image father we thank you for bringing the change that only you can make in jesus and we pray amen imagine if we laid it down this empty eye
self-made crowds Walked off the stage and lost our fame Traded our slogans for you to have your way Imagine if we turned in pain Laid down our pride to seek your God, would you forgive us, find us on our knees? Father, come remind us what your church could be. Oceans of your justice, mercy like a stream. Heaven spilling over, flooding through our streets. God, would you God, would you forgive us? Imagine if no lines were drawn If every race and tribe belonged Imagine if we stood as one To see each other as daughters Save 
for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.